0: Hello. This is the latest edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. The sermon is called A House Divided, and the scriptures are, as you will hear them, read by Barb Todd from uh, 2 Corinthians 4 through the first verse of 5, part of chapter 4, and Mark 3, verses 20 through 35, and that's where Mostly, the, the sermon is inspired by as well as by current events and past events. Uh, I am Richard Lanford, the redheaded preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. I thank you for tuning in. I hope you find this time um, a blessed time, something to give you some thought. Um, and I'm going to begin us or, or send you off to the scriptures and then the sermon with the word of prayer. Please join me in the Spirit if you are able. Holy God, you are so big. You created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. And you have called us to follow you, us. And you have forgiven our sins in Jesus Christ and empowered us by the Holy Spirit to give us resurrection in this life and the next. Give us new understanding of old passages. Give us the gift of hope. Renew our faith. And grant us the courage for the living of these days.
1: Our first reading is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, actually. Chapter 4, verses 13 through the first verse of chapter 5. Paul addresses a confused congregation about ministry in hard times and faith and not giving really up. Paul writes, But just as we have the same spirit, For what can be seen is general. appointed the twelve disciples. So just before our first verse, he says, it says, Then he went home. And the crowd came together again, so that they could not even eat. There were so many people. And when Jesus' family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. And Jesus called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And the Satan his property without first tying up the strong man, then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will all be forgiven for their sins, Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came and standing outside they sent to him and called him. A crowd
0: In the end, what keeps us going? You could say inertia. You could say we have to because we have to keep working. You could say my family. You could say the Holy Spirit, and I would have to agree. I'm inspired, though, not only by the sheer force of human will and the survival instinct, but also by the words of Paul, which we heard Barb read. He emphasized faith. We do not lose heart, he told the Corinthians, after dealing their, detailing their missionary sufferings. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with the Scripture, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we speak. Well, speaking of the good news of Jesus was their calling, and they kept it up in a resurrection spirit, despite all of those hardships, out of faith. I would add that love and hope keep us going as well. That holy triad of 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love remain. You and I will need those too. We all need all we can receive from God, including each other, and the knowledge of God's will. We will need to keep seeking that gracious will in complicated times, because it's no news that we live in this land, we we in this land, live in what Jesus called a house divided. How shall we keep going? if we do not keep faith. We are divided over the wearing of masks and when to wear them, whether or not to be vaccinated or when. We are divided over whether or not to have what's called critical race theory as part of curricula. There are divisions related to race, certainly over who won last November's presidential election and even what the word justice Means. There are divisions in many, many churches over the welcome and inclusion of persons in the LGBTQ communities or their immigration status and various followings. You know, the latest issue of Sojourners Magazine has as its cover story when conspiracy theories come to church. There are divisions over what the Second Amendment to the Constitution means. There are strong disagreements over what God would bless, let alone over God, period. Does this mean that with these divisions, this house of America cannot stand? Well, I would not call it a kingdom, but that word can stand in for a political entity. Well, does it mean also that the household of denominations will disappear? Does that mean everybody in Christ's church universal have to believe exactly all the same points of doctrine or lose their salvation? Just what are we to make of Jesus' instructive question, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Now, Jesus had just completed, not only choosing and naming the twelve, but also casting out a whole bunch of demons. Now the front lines of the Jewish religious establishment are calling Jesus Satan. And Beelzebul had evolved into a name for the evil forces. Well, not taking that lightly, Jesus points out the absurdity of that idea. How can Satan cast out Satan? Why would Satan cast out its own minions? You'll destroy yourself. You won't make it. And then he went on to ask how to pillage a strong man's house. And answering his question himself, said you've got to tie him up. And here that means... Jesus has tied up the strong man, Satan. And therefore, in spiritual superiority, was able to cast out those demons. Against evil, Jesus wins. Oh, and by the way, we heard Barb read, and Jesus condemned any and all who would say that the Spirit of God, or perhaps Jesus himself, is Satan. You know, calling what is holy, perfect, most powerful and most gracious of the devil. They demonized him. They demonized Jesus Christ. He casts out demons by the prince of demons, implying that he has that within him or that he is that. Demonization of those with whom one disagrees. perhaps purveyors of truth righteousness love and faith does that happen if a church household kingdom or a country does that is that the kind of division which cannot stand Jesus is not just whistling Dixie here. The divisions have to be mighty and at the core of the matter, essential to getting God right or the values of God right, to be that which ultimately destroys itself. The divisions have to be that mighty, such so as to call the Son of God the evil one. That, without the spiritual background behind it, is where Abraham Lincoln was coming from, when he gave his famous speech at the old Illinois Capitol building on June 16, 1858. He'd just been nominated to run against Democrat Stephen Douglas for the U.S. Senate. Here's something from Columbia University professor, historian, and author Eric Foner. He wrote, Lincoln's saying, no, there is no compromise. You've got to be on one side or the other. In effect, he's saying, I'm on the side of freedom, and Douglas is on the side of slavery. Or, to quote the man himself, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fail or fall. But I do expect it will cease to be a house divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. Could the United States survive as a half free and half slave or expansion westward, expansion slavery westward allowed nation? Lincoln said no. The Civil War decided no. The southern states and culture did all they could to negate their defeat. The issue of slavery and its expansion westward was a core matter that could have, in fact did, divide this nation into two. The matter was that weighty. It had to do with what were, in those days, our higher ideals, the better angels of our nature. The two forces could not live side by side any longer. It had to, as Lincoln said, become all one thing or all the other, although the North had slaveholders too. The Confederacy was born. Thankfully, its life officially was brief, bloody and brief. I propose, and I think it's an easy one to accept, we are living in a house divided. Not all of our divisions are as explosive as slavery. Not all of them are as irreconcilable as that was. And some of them are not easily addressed by Scripture. Yet there remains the deeply spiritual element when you or I demonize those with whom we cannot or will not agree. And those persons or groups likewise demonize you or me. You and I, among others, still need to listen to, think about, pray about, and discern these words of our Lord that we heard from Mark. Now let me share with you my fear about this. My fear is that there are such radical developments going on that could, and maybe would, eventually topple our freedom and basic unity. My understanding is that were I to go to certain states that are limiting access to voting by removing some of the access granted last year or earlier and share what I think is going on and why, I probably would be demonized. Were I to go to and communicate strong disagreements with say, states that are passing laws to limit voter access due to the results of certain recent elections, I would be the one cast out as unrighteous. To various degrees, these are things there are things in the works in almost all of our states, to varying degrees. Taking away Sunday voting, which African Americans after worship historically take advantage of. Removing the number of ballot drop boxes making it more restrictive to vote absentee, and reducing the time allowed for early voting. Giving a private company the contract to do an election audit after electoral college votes are certified, like is going on in Arizona, and with someone in the Pennsylvania State Senate thinking of getting that state to do the same, what does that do? Or what does it have the possibility to do to the legitimacy of elections and our established processes. Do these not have the potential to short circuit the concept of an engaged democratic republic? Will this trend continue? What will happen as long as, one poll I read recently, as long as 25% of Americans, regardless of party, believe the presidential election was stolen? Can such a house still stand? Can we still communicate? And the more I think of it, the more I realize that in some ways, the war between the states really is not completely over. When I was a kid, and I've shared this story before, sometimes our summer vacation took us to South Carolina where my dad's family was. And we would go different places, but sometimes through the South. I remember in Arkansas, a bumper sticker that said, the South will rise again. That was in the 60s. I believe that sentiment is not totally gone. We saw it during the insurrection of January 6th, if you saw those Confederate flags. As a Christian, and as an American, in our gospel today, what does Jesus say to us all? Is it a call to humility? As Mandy Stegmuller would say, you betcha. Is it a call to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves? Oh, yeah. Is it a call to pray without question? Is it a call to raise our voices in warning, and you warn those whom you love? Yes. In my humble opinion, it is a call to bring ourselves and brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever they are, back to the feet of Jesus and dedicate our purposes to line up with the will of God. That's who Jesus claimed as his family, right? When told that his mother and siblings were calling for him, after telling the scribes that their firstborn might be off his rocker, after he'd been casting out demons, he had an answer. Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Now, you may or may not share my fear about our land being a nation divided over a long-holding fault line. But I do hope that you can share my belief that as disciples of Jesus, who knew how to speak truth to power, Jesus, our compass of faith, hope, and love, leads us to seek God's will and do it. We are to focus on doing God's will to the best of our discernment what that is. And it is not only what we do or do not do in daily lives and in response to our house divided. The will of God also speaks to how we do what we do or do not do. Now I could and might preach a sermon series on God's will and how you and I, as Christ followers, can hope to know what it is for us. It does not mean we'd all agree. That's why the church is not all one church, and really has not been since the early centuries. There was always an Eastern and a more Western church, long, long before the schism of 1054 A.D. The ethos of the United Church of Christ is a covenant ethos. That means we commit to walking together in our faith, side by side, united by the essentials, but it's okay if we disagree on things not believed to be essential to the faith. If you recall the Salem Church Covenant of 1629, we've used it as an affirmation of faith many times in in worship here. That's a covenant with the Lord and with one another, to walk together in all god's ways according as he has revealed to us in his blessed word of truth yet we do not check our brains at the door we do not check our doubts at the door christ came for all of us we are all equal before the cross so we can join the old theologian who said in essentials unity In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. The trouble is not only the troubles in the world, but also the whole of Christendom does not always agree on what the Christian faith essentials are. I know one late Christian who said, if you ordained LGBT persons, you were no longer Christian." different denominations. I remember saying the Presbyterians, they used to be a Christian denomination. Religious academies like Moody are in court trying to preserve their right to get a tax break or a supplement from the government, but also allow folks to identify as LGBTQ, or at least to allow them to be harassed on campus. Lots of those Klansmen in the day went to Bible study during the week. And most of those January 6th belligerents see themselves as the true upholders of democracy. Or, on another side, a great advocate for the social gospel, lifting up the downtrodden Matthew 25 man, slides away from believing in God at all, and is not very loving in his personal or congregational life. So the church would help itself if we could all agree on what the essentials of faith are. Which, in turn, guide our understandings of God's purposes for us. God's will agrees with the essentials. Well, time does not permit me to unpack some helpful pointers for a church in learning God's will. Pointers to avoid, or like, this is not it, this is not it. If it is god's will to avoid given a certain subject a divided house or kingdom from falling because sometimes maybe it is god's will for this or that to fall but learning god's gracious ways are how we get closer to jesus closer to the scriptures which teach us the core of love and faith honesty righteousness and service the prophets also spread knowledge of God's will in order to teach us, urge us, warn us to bring this to the whole people of God, including us. The prophets and Jesus both spoke words of judgment and reckoning for those who refuse God's ways. These are the warnings to them, them then, Israel, as now. God is not a fan of houses divided. They should all be one in the Lord, if it is a house that is built by the Lord, as our call to worship said. So
1: as Christians,
0: as I come to a close, as Christians, all this is our enduring hope of not going down. As a result of powerful, historic, and politely ignored, sometimes, divisions within. Speaking the truth in love. We would combat lies with truth, arrogance with modest confidence, and animosity with prayers and labors for accountability. Imperfect and sometimes guilty of our own demonizing. We want to show forth the love of God for all. That is part of God's will we learn in the gospel. And always, like I said at the start, faith keeps us going. An end is not yet. I talk of no game, but the God we love and trust, you could say, plays the long game. That's the good news. Amen. That does it for this Sunday, June 6th edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. I hope you enjoyed the sermon or found it thought-provoking and it was a hard write. i was working on pieces of that and as i thought new things and different things and realized things through sunday morning that's pretty unusual for me Uh, so i kind of feel that it isn't even complete yet in a way don't know what you thought feel free to send the office at st peter a comment if you like But next week, I don't know what it's going to be, but I do know this. I'm going to ask God to bless your week. Amen.